Welcome into the Reviewing the Brew podcast. I'm Dave Gasper, and I am joined this week by my co-editor Matthew Dewaskin and contributor Isaac Butkey is joining us on the line. Isaac, Matthew, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing great. Hang on, uh, hang on. There we go. Now, now I'm doing really well. All right, perfect. <laughs> Even better. So last night... Uh, we all know what happened last night. The Milwaukee Brewers clinched their fifth postseason berth in franchise history with a thrilling 2-1 win over the Cardinals. They swept them in three games. And at the very least, the Milwaukee Brewers are guaranteed a home game hosting the wild card. At, at the very least, that's what they got. Minimum. Minimum, yeah. But they're not looking for just that. They still got their eyes on the division, and they're half game back of the Cubs. The Cubs are playing tonight, and the Brewers, they've got three games left, and it's against the lowly Tigers. Uh, Isaac, we'll start with you. Can the Brewers win this division? I think 100% we can win this division. I think the Tiger matchup is really favorable um, just because of how poorly they've played. They don't really have anything to play for. Um, but also, um, looking at the other side of it, uh, the Cubs have to play three games against the Cardinals, who now, as a result of the Brewers sweeping them, I mean, they've got their backs against the wall. If they even want to get into the playoffs, all three of these games against the Cubs – are must-win games for St. Louis. So, I mean, it's not like they're just rolling over and dying uh, this weekend, just trying to kind of mail it in for the season. They've got a lot to play for. And based off how the Cubs have looked against the Pirates, I think uh, the Cardinals have a really good opportunity to pounce here uh, and give the Cubs a hard time that would possibly let the Brewers take over the division. Matthew, what about you? You know, you well, take a deep sigh each time, like before you before you say something. <laughs> do you notice that, like yeah, every single time, but uh, before I, you're about I, to I, say I, something, just. <sighs> Dude, I, I I do I do think the Brewers can win the division. However, I. There it is again. I'm I'm I'm, 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 I'm skeptical. I just you know the, the the Cubs have the advantage. They're they're you know you know the. The game is currently, you know, they're currently playing the Pirates as we're recording this. They're winning two nothing. Yeah. So that that one that one game lead with only three game. If they okay, if they have a one game lead with only three games left in the schedule, that's actually that's tough to overcome. I I, I realize it's just it's just one game, but I that it it, it seems like more with 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 the schedule. Am I am I wrong, guys? No, I mean I mean you're not wrong. And basically, as the math comes down to it, the Cubs need to lose two of their final four games. They need to lose at least two if the Brewers are going to be able to clinch the division outright without a tie-breaking game 163. If the Cubs lose one game and the Brewers sweep their final three, then it's a tie. And that is just maximum chaos. (laughs) I mean, it's. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you really think, yeah, the, you know, the, the the team that that loses 
you know, that, that game 163 then has to go and play the wild card game. Yeah. And so that's, that's not ideal for anyone really. No, I mean, you, you, you assume you burn, you burn out your bullpen in, in, in 163, then you have to go into the disadvantage into the wild card. So it's, yeah, that's, that, that's when craziness happens. Yeah. And then, at and then least the Brewers have oh. that. The, sorry. The Brewers no. have that day off before the Tigers series. Mm-hmm. So at least, I mean, we've had a little bit of rest, but right. I mean, even looking at it from the Cubs perspective, I mean, they haven't had a day off for a little bit because this was a four game set against Pittsburgh. They're coming off of a really busy month of September where they barely had any days off, too. I mean, this is, I'm sure, I mean, both teams are going to be pretty taxed by that point. And then having to turn around in a, another must win game, this is, that is definitely as stressful as it gets for uh, late September drama. Yeah. And the good thing for the Brewers, especially. Uh, after clinching last night, is is having that off day to deal with their hangover because there was a <laughs> lot of alcohol in that in that clubhouse yesterday. <laughs> I mean, uh, they, that was a celebration. Yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, it, it's been a long time coming. I mean, first playoff berth since, since 2011. The only player left from that team is Ryan Braun. I suppose Craig Council, but he's now the manager, so it's kind of <laughs> a little bit different. But I mean, having those guys there and, and now with, with the Brewers, I mean, how I how far can they go? I mean, I think they can make it pretty far, especially if they end up winning the division. And if they, which if they do, they get home field advantage not only in the division series but also in the championship series because they'll have the best record in the National League. So it, you have to wonder. Could they make the World Series with this team? Could they? Honestly, with with the way their starting staff is set up, I don't. I wouldn't feel confident that they could make a World Series. Honestly. Really, I mean, everyone's been saying that pretty much all year, and like, while I agree with that for the most part, I mean, there's just been something about this team that there is just something special about them and what they have going for them. That even even with the deficiency in the starting rotation, they they can make some some strides and make a deep run. If if they, if they have a must win game, who starts? Yolis uh, Chassin. Yikes! Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe Gio Gonzalez. I, actually, I mean, I mean, Gio Gonzalez has pretty good experience. Although I think that game against the Cardinals. Um, First game where we used we skipped Chase Anderson and had Dan Jennings literally just face Matt Carpenter. Oh, you want Dan Jennings <laughs> to start the must win game? That seems weird. I think that's a that is absolutely a must win game strategy right there. I mean, like I look at especially for like some of the guys teams we might face in the wild card, like such as like the Rockies who have Charlie Blackman who has to lead off like in a must win game situation like that. I feel like that's an exact we could do a carbon copy pitching matchup for them. Like have Jennings take down Blackman ideally, and then be able to turn to some right-handers and then just keep going through like Xavier Cedeno, bring in Hader for a little bit to neutralize their lefty again and cover some innings. I mean, I feel like it's a stretch because I know we do not have a pitcher of Corey Kluber's caliber, but I think it's somewhat comparable to that Indian squad that made the World Series just two years ago and lost to the Cubs. 
I mean, that rotation was not great. They had Corey Kluber, who was an absolute ace, and I think their number two was Trevor Bauer, who had been pitching better at the end of the season, but still that was early, a lot of control issue, Trevor Bauer. And, I mean, at the by the end of the playoffs, I mean, a lot of times that was like Andrew Miller in his prime, like helping to carry that team to the World Series. Wasn't that the year that, that, that Bauer, you know, hurt his hand? With the drone, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, drone. That, was, yep. that was the drone yeah. game. That was the drone, yeah, okay. Or, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, and yeah. Josh Tomlin was still a starter in that rotation. I mean, He that was, was a starter in, in that rotation this season to, to start this year. I mean, that was... Good gracious. <laughs> yeah, he gave up like 18 home runs in the first like month or month and a half. Yeah, it was. Welcome to the AL Central, man. Now, now I've, I've, I've got a question for you guys. Now, the the, the Milwaukee Brewers announced they were going to start Dan Jennings in in Game One of the Cardinals series, and the Cardinals still put Matt Carpenter leading off. Do, 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 do you feel that, that that kind of played into the Brewers' hands? I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean that. I mean, if, if, if... I'm, I, I, I apologize for cutting off, but if if I'm if I'm a manager and I see that I I stack the lineup with I put every righty I, I put you know three righties right in a row. Yeah, maybe just try to like make them change their strategy or, or change who their opener is. Um, and you kind of got to declare that earlier too. So, I mean, they they, they knew Jennings was starting like before the, the lineup came out. Yeah, why so not I put just, why I, not put Carpenter in like the three or the four hole then? There, there you go. Yeah, why, why play into the strategy? I, I was just kind of shaking. Because I feel like Jennings' yeah. one role was basic. I mean, as it turned out, I mean, it was to take down Matt Carpenter. Yes. And, I mean, I 100%. have no confidence if he had to face a righty that he would have gotten any of them. Oh, out. me either. No. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't understand it from the beginning. I'm like, why are they starting the guy who has an ob- obvious flaw? And then the Cardinals kind of played right into it. Keep in mind so, – Keep in mind that this Cardinal staff was the same one that intentionally walked Lorenzo Cain to get to <laughs> Christian Yelich. They intentionally yeah, walked not... to get to Yelich. Like th- there's obviously not much critical thinking going on in that Cardinals <laughs> dugout. I mean, who who does that? Who intentionally walks someone to get to that National League MVP? Like, I, I don't get it. That's worth a three-year extension right there. There you go. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. I actually think well, I think Schilt was uh, ejected by that point. It was after the Matt Carpenter ejection and, and the strike three call. Oh jeez. So I mean that. Uh, no, no. I'm, I'm assuming we, we we all watched all three games. Yes. Oh yeah. Accurate. And I know David did. I I think you you, you did as well. I got to okay. watch a good portion of them. So, so you, you you saw the strike zone. Was it nearly as objectionable to you as it was to the Cardinals? And mm. they got some generous calls. Um, there there yeah. were some that were borderline. And then uh, yesterday, uh, Matt Carpenter, all those borderline calls, he got called out of the strike zone. And they they all could have. They were at the bottom of the zone. I believe Game Cash showed him his strikes. Every single. Strike tracker box thing called showed him as strikes hitting hitting the zone, but he got him called as, as balls. I think because of what he was saying the day before. Oh yeah, that car- I guarantee that carried over. 
I feel like a lot of that stuff like ebbs and flows a little bit. And I mean, I don't think can any person who's watched a baseball game ever in their life say that they've never complained about an umpire's calls. I mean, I know there are some times when it's absolutely egregious and like everybody's able to agree on it. But I mean, some of those, I, they weren't, they were legitimately like could have been called a ball or a strike. And they just happen to be called strikes. Like I, yeah, I yeah. don't think it was that crazy. Yeah, and it was just like wide enough, and the Cardinals will. I mean, the Cardinals fans need something to complain about, and, and so do the Cardinals <laughs> players. I mean, that's just. Oh, what, what are you saying? Wow, about Matthew? You you know. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I I I was getting messages from Trevor all, all day. So. Oh, oh yeah, Trevor. Yeah, he uh, he sent us a thing on Twitter saying because uh, I was wishing them good luck against the Cubs because uh, uh, we're really rooting for him over there. He's like, hey, thanks. Uh, how about sending over Josh Hader? We could really use a nice lefty in our bullpen. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no, hard pass. I uh, <laughs> it would be an upgrade to Brett Cecil, was it? Who gave yeah, up the three run homer? Yeah, you know what was really funny though on Twitter uh, during during the first game of the series, I um I, after Flaherty, like he gets pulled because he was losing control there in the sixth inning, and I'm like, all right, we're like we're into the Cardinals bullpen. That's their weakness. Like let's destroy them. And I got all these Cardinals fans and like all, all their accounts just like you know laughing at me. It's like, oh no, that's wrong. Like that is not their weakness at all. Like this one Cardinals thing sent me somebody like crying while laughing emojis. And this one dude's like, uh, like, how how's this prediction looking now, Chief? And that was after Josh Hader uh, blew the blew the lead, oh, and then yeah. after the Cardinals bullpen blew the lead again, I sent him a thing saying, uh, "It's still looking pretty accurate, Chief." So I mean, <laughs> I mean, see, like they're they're all, I know, and they're all like, you know, laughing like their bullpen is not their weakness. Their bullpen totally was their weakness in in this entire series. It totally mm, was. They were good. Their okay. best relief pitcher is was Carlos Martinez, who wasn't even a reliever for most of the year. Yeah, he's a starter, like, and, and he's as their closer and, because Bud Norris is terrible. Again, reaffirming your point. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but it's Cardinals fans. You can't reason with them, you know? <laughs> but, hey, Cardinals... We're rooting for you, all right? Just if you could take, like, two games against the Cubs, you could maybe help your own playoff chances and really help out the Brewers. That'd be really great. Although it's awkward to kind of ask ask much of them after just saying, can you just, like, <laughs> lay low for a couple days and then heat up against the Cubs? That is a, that is a gr- interesting timing for both of those things but uh, it's it's awkward. i'm sure they understand oh yeah yeah and i mean hey they, like they want to beat the cubs now too not not to help not to help the brewers out but just to help out themselves and, and maybe get into the playoffs and matt and i we were on the uh redbird rants podcast and you know they were saying like oh no like it, it doesn't work like that. we're gonna try to destroy you and and, and whatever and we're gonna take us you know sweeping the series and Matthew and I are just like, oh, how's that looking now? <laughs> I, I I predicted the sweep. I, I I went I went full homer. So oh yeah, 
I tried to like not be as big of a homer. I, I was just gonna say two out of three. Um, you know, I, I was obviously looking and hoping for a sweep, but I wasn't expecting it. But it's still uh, very welcome for sure. Yeah. I, honestly, I, I kind of had a thing that they were looking for a bit of the you know the you know the homer prediction. So I figured I'd, I'd all right, yeah, you, you, I'll, I'll say full sweep. You know, it, it's not like you know yeah, you're going to burn down my house if I'm wrong. You know, so. <laughs> I, I I really wasn't expecting it either. You know, I'm happy the prediction came true, but you know, it's like I don't have a crystal ball over here or anything. Here. If you did, I mean, you'd need to share it with all the rest of us and let us know what happens. Oh. Yeah, I'd right. get some page views. Absolutely, <laughs> that's crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the celebration uh, in in the clubhouse, a lot of speeches. FS Wisconsin went you know super long with their post game, just showing the celebration. Uh, in the locker room, uh, Matthew. What was your favorite part of of watching the team celebrate in the locker room? Uh, David, I actually have to say it's an eighty-seven way tie between everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, oh, there, there, there were there were there were two two parts of the celebration that that really that really struck me. Um, the first was was Bob Uecker coming down and and getting the, yes. the beer shower. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, like he was like up for it. It wasn't he wasn't like an like an old man, like kind of you know slowly walking in. He he came in. He was you know ripping the oh, fist yeah, he's, pump. He's got the, yeah, they, they, yeah. They they gave they gave him a shower. He was into it. It wasn't you know it wasn't like you know just you know somebody you know, woke up grandpa and brought him downstairs. No, 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 he was there to party. Oh yeah. So that was that was number one for me. And number two was uh, when Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich you know kind of had a moment you know had a moment together at the beginning. Uh, you know, when they were, you know, dousing each other and, you know, got the team chatting MVP for, for, for Christian. I thought that was really cool. So Isaac, what about you? Uh, I'd have to say I got one that's maybe like kind of like more of the celebration and then one that's uh, a little bit more of like the serious note at, after the game. Um, I was listening to the um, to Matt Pauley a little bit this morning. And he was talking. Uh, he interviewed Corey Knebel while they were celebrating, and uh, the whole time you could just hear all the guys in the background. And then he's like, "Well, Corey, it looks like some people, some people want you right now. I'll let you go." And he's like, "Yeah, man, I gotta get me some beer." <laughs> Legend. Yes. <laughs> oh man. So Corey Knebel, MVP in my heart, but um, <laughs> but the other one, I think. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I think, especially amidst like struggles throughout the year and a lot of DL stints, um, there was a video of Ryan Braun. Uh, he kind of settled him down for a little bit, told like gave a little spiel to the team, saying, "Hey, this isn't it. We got a division to win. Let's do this again this weekend." But enjoy tonight. Like you guys deserved it and all that. I think it really spoke to like how much of a leader he is. I think just the stat lines. And how much he, you know, I feel like he sat a fair amount during the summer. But I think that really goes to show just how big of an impact he has on this team, whether he is, uh, you know, actually playing, hitting home runs against the Cardinals or, I mean, even when he's out. I mean, he is easily, it seems like he is the guy who, he is the leader in that clubhouse. Everybody recognizes it as as that when he's speaking, they listen, and I thought that was a really cool moment to kind of get a glimpse into that clubhouse dynamic too. 
Oh yeah, a- absolutely. And, and I mean, having been there for eleven years, and I mean, he's been a part of now three Brewers playoff teams. Um, he's he's definitely kind of shifted from from star player to just your veteran clubhouse presence. And and that moment with Yelich, I, I think it was also just kind of a it was a passing the torch moment because I think Christian Yelich is now the face of the franchise, and it's no longer Ryan Braun. It, it's been Braun practically his entire career, but now that that face of the franchise title has passed on to Christian Yelich now, I, I think, and, and that that speech that he had uh, that was a big moment for me watching that and just kind of seeing that whole club dynamic and, and what he was talking about, about how this is a family, you know, that, that was evident in, in his speech and council speech and even Yelich's letter in the players tribune, um, which we can talk about more later, but just that's, that was like the general theme of that, of that whole thing. They're a family, like they've come together and they're a lot closer than most other major league teams and that was kind of one of my favorite moments um along with the the euchre getting beer poured on him by arcia and perez but my my other favorite uh had to be when you know council's like finishing his speech and he's like uh suitor someone find suitor come over here and give us a beat and he just starts the whole <laughs> when i say low you say kane and they just start going ham once again <laughs> that was so much fun. Like I, I was getting all hyped up in my living room just watching it. <laughs> my dad tried to start the chant when I got home today. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, awesome. yeah. I mean, Suter's such a lovable guy in that club, and even though he hasn't pitched in two months, and he's really not going to pitch at all next year probably i mean he's still a big part of the, of that clubhouse he's just such a fun loving guy i feel like this is a i mean not to say that him i mean of course i'd rather see him on the mound but i mean this is the way that he's able to work with everybody in the clubhouse and really have that like interaction pump people up and like just his general lovability around everybody i mean that's just i mean that's probably his best trait while he's hurt like and he's doing he's pushing all the right buttons that he can and make it a positive influence even though he's not able to actually do anything on the field I think that's that's one of those things that you don't see in a box score but I think that's been imperative to our success this account or this podcast is officially a fan of Brent Suter let that be known (laughs) put 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 that down in the books this podcast is a fan of Brent Suter Fair enough. I mean, you know, this is a reason David Ross had a 15-year career. Oh yeah. It's not because he was a great. It's not because he was a great player. It's because he was, you know, clubhouse guy. So it, it wouldn't shock me to see Brent Suter, you know, kind of stick around until he was, you know, you know, in, in his late 30s. You know, just you know, just being that kind of like extra lefty in the in the bullpen. Yeah. Jamie Moyer 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think even in his prime, though, Jamie Moyer could hit above 90. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. I, yeah. I, I got a, I don't, I don't know about that. It, it, he might have. When, like, like during like his original run with the Cubs, I think he could. But after, what, what, that, that's he, why I said his prime, that not when he was forty-four and, and still trying to pitch. Well, his, his prime was when he was thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamie Moyer. Yeah, but I mean, 
I, I think Suter, like, it, it could also go the other way. He's kind of, he could also kind of be like a Dillard. Like, he just hangs around in the organization where, where he's just, you know, such a lovable guy and, and a great clubhouse guy like Tim Dillard is. And he just kind of sticks around, even though he may not be having much success on the field. And I mean, I, I like Suter, but by the time he comes back in 2020, this rotation, there's probably not going to be that much room for him, but. We'll get to t- the 2020 rotation when we get to 2020. <laughs> we'll worry about that later. We'll we'll leave we'll leave David Stearns to to worry about that team. Yeah. Um, but I I know we forgot to bring this up in the uh, pre podcast meeting, but uh, Christian Yelich's article in the Players Tribune. Uh, what, what was your guys' initial reaction to reading that? Isaac, we'll start with you. I thought it was. It was well written. It was like, it wasn't like the, you know, using a bunch of like elaborate language to try to just in, entice everybody and all that. It was just a really, it was a nice down to earth conversation about everything. It you could really feel like how genuine Yelich was about everything. He kind of, you finally got to hear what he had to say about like the trade, um, what he felt when all of a sudden he wasn't with the organization he had always been with. Um, and just hearing him talk about that. I mean, I'm pretty sure by the end of it, I mean, he had me hooked. I had, I think I had goosebumps and I was about ready to buy some tickets to like every playoff game. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I was ready to run through a brick wall at the end of the, the reading that was <laughs> just like two more words, let's go. And I'm just like, let's do it. Matthew, what did you think? Uh, I is is there anything Christian Yelich can't do? <laughs> I am not I mean, sure. I mean, is is is, is I mean, are we, are we going to be seeing him like, like today's today's is you know he's got an off day today, so is he like you know in, in, in a hospital performing like open heart surgery? Or something? <laughs> I mean, is he you know is he distributing water in in, in North Carolina? Is he you know what what he's, he's what, building a home for Habitat for Humanity. Him and Jimmy Carter side by side swinging hammers. That's kind of <laughs> how I Why not, man? So I, I, I was, I, I can't remember the last time I read something by an athlete that was written that well. Um, it, it was, you know, it was, it was really just impressive all the way around. Uh, you know, it, if anything, it made me like, you know, Christian Yelich a whole lot more, you know, even more than I did. And I'm already a huge Yelich guy. So. Oh yeah, this podcast is a huge Christian Yelich fan. Let that be known. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the whole first part of the article he's just talking about Lorenzo Cain. He he's not even talking about himself <laughs> like he barely talks about himself in in the whole thing. And w- once he the one time he does reference his accomplishments, he's just like, "Oh yeah, like, you know, the other guys have these accomplishments here, then a cycle or two by this by some new guy." And like he just completely like downplays the whole thing, but I think the best part was um, like what I really love was his story about coming to Brewers on deck, and I was like this whole whirlwind because it was a couple days before. And then Atanasio calls him. He's like, "Hey, I'm flying to Milwaukee with Brawny. Uh, what like do you want to come with us?" And he's just like, "All right, sure." And he gets on the plane, and they're just like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're just going to pick up Robin Yount and Bob Euchre. No big deal, right? And he's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> like, I would 
what I wouldn't give to be on that plane with those five guys together. Atanasio, Braun, Yelich, Yount, and Euchre. Just listening to whatever it was they were talking about. I mean, the whole thought of that is just so mind-blowing to me. I don't think I'd be able to say a word the entire time. I would honestly just have my like jaw on the floor just yeah. by the fact that I was sitting next to all these people for like three hours or four hours or however long the flight is. Yeah, I mean, that I, is... I, 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 I kind of like to think I'd, I'd have a push-up contest with Euchre. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have, our, we'd have our shirts off, push-up contest, you know, loser has, you know, winner has to chug two beers. There we go. <laughs> oh, of course you pick out Euchre and not Braun or, or Yelich or, you know, <laughs> even Robin Yount, not not even him. I, I think he could still take me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, Bob Euchre. Oh, Challenged. yeah. Yeah, fine. If, if, if Euchre's listening and he, he wants a push-up contest... I'm game anywhere, <laughs> anytime, <laughs> any place. Let's do it. The Matthew Dewaskin versus Bob Euchre push-up challenge. I, he's only about twice my age, so I, yeah. I I think I have a bit of an advantage, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. If if I was in a room with Bob Euchre, I would not challenge him to a push-up contest. That is, <laughs> that's for sure. Um. But yeah, I mean, Yelich's whole thing, like he's he's even talking about how the team just kind of came together as a family, like during spring training and everything else, how they're just getting to know each other's names. And then like, hey, we're doing a Sandlot video and you're going to be Benny the Jet. Want to do it? And he's like, uh, all right. Like, it's just so like, <laughs> he just seems to like socially like awkward, like a, as the new guy, but he just kind of goes yeah. along with it and just everything seems to work out. And like I mean, he's already like like as he said, he's already fallen in love with with the city, and that bodes well, I I think, for his future in Milwaukee beyond the four years he's already under contract for. I'm ready to sign him to a contract for however long, but I mean, I I, I think he definitely would want to stay after his contract is up. What, what year is his contract up again? After the 2022 season. So four think, more years. I think, I, I think we can wait a little bit. Oh, to actually sign him? Yeah, sure. I mean, he's not going to sign it this offseason. Are, are you crazy? Yelch's value is only going to be going up. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> like, he's he's not going to sign. He already signed one, one long-term contract, uh, which has already limited his earning potential. Uh, he's not... He's probably not going to do that again. But, hey, I'm just saying I'm open to it whenever he wants to sign it. All right, so, so wait, you're what? open to it, but I'm crazy. Well, you think you think I'm trying to sign him, you know, like, hey, let's let's work out this, you know, extension, like, by midnight. Like, like let's sign this now. I don't think I said, I think I said that. <laughs> or, like, this offseason or, or whatever, like. They're they're not going to sign him this. (laughs) You know what? Whatever. All right, we're moving on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the postseason roster, uh, the Brewers are going to have to cut down back to twenty five for the postseason. They've been at thirty six for the entire month of September, basically. 
And there's going to be some tough choices. And uh, I, I think one of the bigger choices is going to come down to the bench because you're, you're, you have your four guaranteed bench guys, which are going to be Eric Kratz, Orlando Arcia, uh, Ernan Perez, and Curtis Granderson. You got room for one more on the bench. Uh, who do you go with between Domingo Santana, Keon Broxton, and let's throw Eric Thames into the mix. Uh, Isaac, what do, what do you think? So I have a little – I think we might have a little bit more room on the bench, depending on the scenario. Oh, I think especially right. if we make a wild card game, I think we're in a situation where we do not need to have as big of a bullpen. I mean, I could see like um, – I could see having 10, 11 pitchers on the roster maybe – just because this is a one-game scenario, and I mean, sure, if somebody blows up in relief, I mean, we're going to have to have a little bit of extra depth to make up for that. But what I was looking at for a wild card game is potentially carrying Broxton and Thames, and wow. potentially even Santana. Oh, you're taking all three. You if you wanted to leave off, I had some surprising leave offs because I personally do not see a reason to take along like Chase Anderson for a wild card game. Mm. I don't see a reason necessarily to have like, I don't see like, I feel like Wade Miley or Gio Gonzalez. I don't see, I feel like it's repetitive to have both when we already have like Sedanio, Hader, and Jennings as bullpen lefties, even if Jennings is just like the one hitter lefty. One yeah. thing, kind of what I was looking at for pitchers, I had 10 that I had kind of outlined to be like probably for sure guys. I feel like Chassin is one guy who we would have to go multiple innings, whether he's starting or whether we like do an opener kind of thing. Um, I think Geo gives some lefty length out of the bullpen. Um, Corbin Burns is obvious. Hayter's obvious. Jeffress, Knable. I feel like Soria is in that group a little bit too, even if the results haven't been as good as the others. Mm. And Sedanio's been just as good against lefties. Um, the other one that I was considering probably to be part of that group was if we are okay with him throwing a few more innings, uh, would be like a Willie Peralta. I don't you mean, see. You mean Freddie? Let let us not bring Willie Peralta (laughs) back to the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay, let us completely. But he was a closer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Good old Willie. You know, I went, honestly, before this podcast, I was going through that in my whole head. I was like, it's Freddie, not Willie. It's Freddie, not Willie. (laughs) We get down to crunch time, and I said Willie. Oh, man. (laughs) Ugh. Yeah, but, Freddie's a lot leaner than, than Willie was, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot better. That's yes, for sure. I, I agree with that. I So, I mean, those are those are the 10 guys. With Freddie Peralta, those are the guys I was thinking would be good pitchers to have. Maybe an 11th could be like a Wade Miley, Chase Anderson, I personally like Taylor Williams a lot more than anybody else does, but 
I, I don't see the need necessarily to carry that many more pitchers in a one game scenario. I think it's more valuable to have like as like to have more bench bats where we can pinch hit for guys depending on the scenario. Uh, that's at least my thought on that. Yeah, and I mean, especially for like a one game thing, like you don't need an entire rotation to be active. Like you just have your starter, like say it's Chasin, like for a wild card game. And then you can just stack with all your bullpen arms just to yeah. like ensure you have all the matchups you want because you wouldn't need a Wade Miley or Gio Gonzalez for, for that one game. But if you get to an NLDS, if you get to that full series, you're going to need the, the starting pitchers. Right. But Which I guess if we're going NLDS, to answer your question of who I leave off, honest, I think it's Domingo. Okay, you're, you're leaving would, Domingo he, off, and or, or yeah. is he the one you're keeping? He's the one I'm leaving off the roster. I would take Thames and Broxton because I think Broxton does carry a lot of value. Um, I I mean, he's a threat on the base paths at any point in time. I mean, you saw the Cubs. They just got Terrence Gore like in August, so that way they could basically use him as a base running threat. Broxton's no Terrence Gore, but he is a speed threat anytime he's on the bases. Um, he plays excellent outfield defense. I mean, at the end of the game, if we've, if for some reason, like Thames is in right field or it's Paris in right field, I mean, it would be fantastic to have Broxton there. And honestly, for like the role that's being played off the bench, I don't see Domingo being a better option than Broxton because Domingo doesn't bring the speed to the game. He's not as good of a fielder. And honestly, for bench bats, I mean, we've already got Granderson, Thames, depending on, like, who's starting. I mean, it might even be, like, Braun on the bench one game. Like, I mean, we've got bench bats available. I don't necessarily see Domingo as a necessity. All right, Matthew, what about you? Between Eric Thames, Domingo Santana, and Keon Broxton, who are you putting on the roster? Are you talking for the wild card game or for the division series? Let's let's just go with the full series. I, I feel like it's it's <laughs> it's much more much more easier to plan for a tradition. <laughs> it, it's fine. I mean, you you never know really where it's going to go. Currently, they're in the wild card game, but but saying they make it to an NLDS, like like say they win that wild card game, then what do they do, Ma- okay. Matthew? What what are you going with? Okay, fair enough. So I'm you know I'm assuming they've won won the. the the wild card game or the division, the division you know series. one of the, one of the two i honestly i can't see them carrying less than 12 or 13 pitchers into the division series um for, for the wild card game i think isaac's isaac's you know strategy makes a ton of sense if they carries if they carry more than 10 pitchers they're probably insane um <laughs> however for the division division series you you you're going to want those extra arms because it's you know five games is more than one you heard it here first Whoa! So, breaking news. <laughs> however, you know my, my my pick for the last bench spot is 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 Keon Broxton. Honestly, I I kind of feel like they don't necessarily need Eric Thames quite as much. Um, he he can't really, he can't really play defense. He's really gonna he's really gonna be there just to 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 hit a, hit a right handed reliever. Honestly, that that's the the only reason you put him out there. And um, to help you in a brawl, because with his biceps, <laughs> he will destroy anyone when it comes to a fight. I I, I kind of picture him just like grabbing guys off the pile and just like 
you know, throwing them, like, you know, a solid, like, 20, 30 feet. Oh, but, yeah, uh, like it, like in the brawl in, in um, uh, what movie was that, where it's just, like, a giant pile? Was that Naked Gun? Was there, where there was just a giant brawl and someone threw, like, a giant doll off the pile? I forget what movie that was. But, yeah, I mean, he could just, he would just destroy in a fight. You would, you know, you would think, but I mean, but in baseball fights, nobody ever gets hurt anyway, so it wouldn't matter. But uh, anyway, yeah, for the division series, twelve or thirteen pitchers at most. My last guy is Keon Broxton. I want his defense. I want his speed. I don't really care about his bat, honestly. You're 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 bringing him in to to come in and run for somebody late in the game. You're bringing him in to to go out and play outfield defense late in the game. You're not, you know, if he starts, you've probably done something wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's but a he big was a issue. 2020 player. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> if by 2020 you mean his batting average of you know what what is it this year like 188? I mean it wasn't yeah, it wasn't like 200, but yeah, it's it's not well. But actually, I think I'm going with Broxton too because of because of his speed and, and he could be you know late inning defensive uh, addition in place of a guy like Braun and. I mean, I, I like Santana, and he's really shown out well in September, and he's kind of got he's gotten his power back. He's he's been pretty well at the plate, but he doesn't add much for you defensively. He certainly doesn't add any speed. And w- when it comes to you know playoffs, like like say it's a tie game or you're down by one, it's the ninth inning, and Jesus Aguilar gets a single to lead off the inning. You're gonna need someone to pinch run for Aguilar. And yep. having a guy like Keon Broxton to be that kind of special base runner, uh, that is is pretty valuable to have, especially if you used your guys like Aaron Perez or Orlando Arcia earlier in the game to pinch hit. So that's what I'm going with. I, yeah, I, no I, disagreement I, here, pal. And uh, Isaac's leaving off Domingo. So, I mean, apparently we're not big fans of Domingo Santana. Uh, for the postseason roster, but oh Which, well, maybe. If you really think about it, if you really think about it, that's insane. Like he, you know, there were like, before the season started, there were folks who were like legitimately upset that he was going to start the year on the bench. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, coming off of last year with a thirty homer campaign, everyone heard. Yeah, they're trying to trade him this winter, and we're all just like, wait, what? Why? Why are you trying to trade Santana? He just hit 30 homers. Like, he's got a bright future. And then you get Christian Yelch and Lorenzo Cain within, like, a half hour. And then you're like, oh, well, we probably should have traded Domingo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that we'd have some room in this outfield. But uh, it's worked yeah. out well for the team. Not, not so well for Domingo, though. Yeah. I mean, for, like, a team standpoint... I feel like it was still fine to keep Domingo. I mean, you're always better off with more depth than anything. I mean, I feel like we could have gotten a pretty good haul for him, especially before some of the acquisitions. But Apparently not. Yeah. If Sturt's could have gotten a haul, he probably would have traded him. Yeah, that's true. So if nobody actually (laughs) – then in that sense too, between the depth and apparently nobody actually wanting him. Which, again, I don't understand either. I thought you – didn't he hit 30 home runs in 2016 or 2017? Yeah. You know what else he had 30 of? 30% strikeout rate. That's oh, what he had. That's and high. Yeah, so everyone's just like, oh, well, he strikes out a lot and he doesn't play great defense. 
And there was even a, a rumor I think I heard that like he wasn't a good teammate or something. <gasps> yeah, I know. Like maybe that's why Stearns tried to ship him out of town. All all about that culture in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We we may never know what could have happened. But No. All right. So yeah, that's definitely going to be a an interesting topic for uh Craig Council to determine as he's making his postseason roster. You know, does he want the speed and the defense of Cam Broxton or does he want the potential power of Domingo Santana? But moving from the major leagues to a minor league focus right now, since we have uh, Isaac on with us, he writes our uh, minor league. You got kind of preseason, midseason, and, and end of the season reviews here on Reviewing the Brew. And he's, he's about midway through his... Uh, minor league recap season recaps uh so isaac will will kind of give you the floor here uh what what's going on or, or what happened this season with the triple a sky Sox? sure uh triple a team they i mean they had a good season they ended up a game and a half out of a playoff spot um they were they naturally being in colorado they had a lot of really good hitting performances some pitching numbers that were a little less than ideal. Uh, but, I mean, there was certainly a lot to get excited about. Um, I think, for sure, the most exciting guy at AAA this season uh, was Mauricio Dubon. And the guy was hitting well above 300, showing off great speed, solid defense. He was, he was playing shortstop mostly for the Sky Sox, but, um, you know, he was just showing off everything that the Brewers wanted when we originally got him in that uh, Tyler Thornburg trade. I mean, he was everything that we wanted from him was on display this year before he tore his ACL. So, I mean, I think the season's a little different if he stays healthy, but either way, I mean, we're, he's in a good spot right now. And I think as long as he's healthy, he'll be vying for a spot on the big league roster during spring training. Um, there's also, I mean, we had a slew of outfielders have pretty good seasons at AAA as well. Um, I mean, Keon spent a lot of time down there. Um, his power-speed combo was on full display. Uh, Domingo was down there for a while, and that really helped him start to hit home runs again. And there are also some other names down there, too. Uh, Reimer Liriano, who was with the Brewers a couple years ago, I think, he rejoined the team, uh, or he signed like halfway through the season on a minor league contract, comes to Colorado Springs and hits 20 homers with the Sky Sox partway through the season. So that was a pretty impressive display. I don't know that there's necessarily a lot of room for him on the roster moving forward, but I mean, he has he used to have some prospect pedigree. It's worth something. Um, and Tyrone Taylor was another guy who had a good year at AAA. He got promoted there after tearing it up at AA. Um, he, he ended up, I mean, he definitely benefited from the good thin Colorado air. Uh, again, not a lot of uh, room for him in the big league outfield, but it's at least worth something when after he had fallen off a little bit after being like our, I think he was an organization minor league player of the year one year. And he was really highly regarded for a season. And 
he fell off a little bit and now he's starting to really pick it back up. So I, you know, even with like, we talk about Domingo and Keon, we have a lot of outfielders who are trying knocking right on the door of the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the name of David Stern's game. Basically find any outfielder with a heartbeat <laughs> and bring him on to my organization. I mean, we, we've seen this strategy for like three years now. He's always looking for outfielders. And it's like at some point, like, you got to do something with them. You know, like, you only have three spots. But, I mean, it's – yeah, I mean, it's good to hear Reimer Liriano back. I mean, he, he was on his way to some pretty good playing time in, in 2016 before he got hit in the face with that pitch in spring training. Uh, that yeah. that cost them the whole season, and that was really kind of sad. And, and they lost him the the next year after going on waivers. And but he's back. I'm pretty and, sure that year he that year he was he got hit in the face. I mean, there were some rumblings that he would even make the roster just because that was the state of the organization at that time. Yeah, like, I think it was going. We were to. still in rebuild mode. It was yeah. insane. It was it was that first kind of full year of the rebuild, the first year of David Stearns, and. That like he he could have had a chance to really kind of earn his keep potentially as a starter in the big leagues, and now he's just bouncing around again, and and he's back in AAA. So, I mean, tough break for him, but and it, it's tough for the pitchers obviously out there. And now, luckily, they're out of Colorado Springs, and the AAA affiliate next year is going to be in San Antonio, which is a much better situation than Colorado Springs, and it's much better than the alternative that was on uh, the AAA market this year, which was Fresno, because nobody wants to go to Fresno, ever. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize for any Brewers fans listening out in Fresno, (laughs) but, I mean, the Brewers, like, you don't want your AAA affiliate all the way out there, and the Nationals ended up stuck stuck with it, which is actually even worse for them, but... It was it was between yeah, Nashville, San Antonio, and and Fresno, and uh, Nashville. Uh, the Brewers uh, do not like those guys there anymore. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure I heard a beat writer for the Nationals. Uh, he just wanted to test it out to see what it was like going from DC to Fresno, and yeah. he said he said it was a lot cheaper than he expected. But I mean, <laughs> it is just a nightmare to actually get into Fresno. There's not a super easy way to fly in there. So you've got like a four, four and a half hour flight just to get to California. But then you have to fly kind of indirectly into Fresno. Like you have to fly to a surrounding city and then you still have to like drive into Fresno with California traffic, which is a nightmare. I can tell you from visiting my sister in San Jose. So (laughs) that, oh my goodness. (laughs) I think the Brewers dodged a bullet on that one. Oh yeah. San Antonio. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, that was that was definitely big for them. And and San Antonio used to be a Double A affiliate. So segue here, mm. the Brewers Double A affiliate, the uh, <laughs> Biloxi Shuckers, uh, which is a great name, by the way. Uh, how yes. how how yes. did Biloxi do this season? Biloxi made it to the Southern League Championship game. Uh, they ended up they actually won both halves of the Southern League South Division, um, which at that level of the minor leagues, in order to compensate for uh, players getting called up midseason, instead of doing like a full season, uh, just straight standings, they have a first half champion and a second half champion who make the playoffs. 
But in Biloxi's case, they ended up winning both halves. So woohoo for them. They beat the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, another great name, in the <laughs> opening round of the AA playoffs. Ended up losing to the Jackson Generals in the championship. But, man, they have some of the Brewers' top prospects. I mean, this year's organization, Minor League Player of the Year, Corey Ray was there, absolutely went off. All the power numbers finally came into play. His patience, his speed, everything was starting to get on display. Uh, so that was a really great development after a couple of years hindered by a knee injury. Zach Brown was our uh, he was our pitcher of the year in the minor leagues. He destroyed Double uh, A with like an ERA just above 2.0. Um, plus midseason promotion for top prospect Keston Hira. I know here at Reviewing the Brew, we've got some very mixed opinions on Keston Hira, but <laughs> uh, I there is no doubt his bat certainly played a big part in them being able to move forward, especially after Jacob Gatewood. He had home runs in the teens, had he was close to the team lead in RBI behind Ray, or he was close to the team lead in RBI. He went down with a torn ACL, so mm. Keston really needed to provide a big bat for them, and he certainly did that. So um, there are just a ton of prospects at that double-A level, and fortunately for the Brewers, they're all performing right now, which is, I mean, double-A is kind of the proving ground. It's once, it's a really, it's a big, it's like the top level before you start facing guys who are like fringe major leaguers, you know, like, I remember seeing like a lot of AAA teams have like the 29, 30 year olds who are still trying to break into the big leagues or actually they're more quad A guys. Double A is the last time when you really have just prospects that you're facing off against. And these are like the top tier guys until you're getting into AAA. And to see this many Brewers prospects actually performing at a high level against all of them, it's really great to see. Yeah, and it's definitely great moving forward uh, for the organization to have all that success uh, down on the farm, which is really, it's essential to building a consistent winner, which, which is what David Stearns has set out to do uh, as a GM. He doesn't just want one window and then have to rebuild again. Uh, he wants that consistent winner, and I think he's been able to, to do that so far. Yeah, and I think that I mean there's a there were a few opportunities when he could have blown up the farm a little bit. I mean, you look back, I know this was something we talked a lot about when it went down, but that Chris Archer trade, <laughs> one of yes. that somebody in our top prospects was leaving if we were going to get Chris Archer. And the fact, I mean, I know it's we still don't have a great rotation, but I think honestly to get Gio Gonzalez on the staff with the top guy leaving the organization being Demi Ormoloy. We still have <laughs> Hira. We still have Burns. We still have Peralta. We still have Ray. I mean, we've still got a pretty good stable of guys. I mean, in all, all, all right, no. Oh, sorry. Ormoloy was the guy who went for Granderson. Uh, yeah. KJ Harrison was Geo. Yeah. So, and that was a guy who spent most of his time in college DHing as well because he couldn't stick behind the plate. So yeah. I, I'm honestly, if we're going strictly like long-term view, I think even if it wasn't exactly perfect, 
management of getting a starting pitcher for this season, he hung on to our best pieces, which I think will help us a lot in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And after seeing what the Pirates gave up for Chris Archer, I mean, you really understand why David Stearns didn't do that deal. I mean, it would have cost probably both Keston Hira and Corbin Burns for the Brewers to beat that offer from the Pirates. And there was no way Stearns was doing that. Maybe he would have given away mm-hmm. one. I think he was trying to avoid that. But, but yeah, no way he would have given up both for, for sure. Yeah. All right, it is time for the mailbag segment. We put out a tweet earlier asking for your questions for us to answer on the pod. And uh, we, we got a tough one first up here. Uh, Tavern Wisconsin Sports wants us to compare this team to the 2011 team and pick the best player by position out of the two years. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to take a little dig. Uh, Matthew, uh, what what do you think okay. um, comparing the, the 2018 team to the 2011 one? 2018 team to the 2011 team. Yeah. Okay. That's oh, really... <sighs> I, I've got to pull up numbers. I'm sorry. I gotta, I'm a, I'm a yeah. very old man. <laughs> well, see, luckily I saw this on, on Twitter before uh, we came on. So I pulled up the baseball reference page. So okay. I, Yeah, I, me too. I, I, just, I, I just grabbed it. I've seen it a second. Wow, that, that team had some thump in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, 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 you know, Prince, Braun, Corey Hart, Ricky Weeks. Yeah, Weeks. Even, you know. I mean, they had. Cargo on the bench. Wow. Don't forget about the greatest player of all time, Niger Morgan. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> T plush. <T-plush. laughs> oh, but the, how, how did they get by? Okay. You had you know, Zach Grinke and Giovanni Gardner leading the staff. Yep. After after that, Randy Wolf, Sean Markham, Chris Narvison. Oh, Chris Narvison. I was not was, a fan yeah, of that guy. Yeah. No. Sean Markham really kind of stunk I, stunk it up in uh in the NLCS. That the was the most painful game I've ever watched. Accurate. I remember that very well. That I remember. I will uh, never forgive Sean Markham for what he did. Never. <laughs> Honestly, I you know, you know the, the the current Brewer squad clearly has a superior bullpen. But when it comes to the lineup, I I gotta give the nod to the 2011 team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just go, just go through the positions here. Jonathan Lucroy, I think he's better than Pena, or yeah. Kratz. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Prince yeah. Fielder. Yeah. Um, as much as I love Jesus Aguilar, Prince Fielder's put up better numbers that year, and really kind of over yes. throughout his career. Uh, Ricky yes. Weeks. Um, Ricky Weeks uh, sounds a lot like Jonathan Scope. He's got power, but he's just seemingly always disappointing you. Is that not an accurate assessment of Ricky Weeks' tenure? That three, right. three, three fifty on, on base percentage, twenty homers that year. It wasn't that disappointing. Ricky Weeks, I, I, as as a whole, was disappointing to me. I'm I'm willing to say that Weeks is a better athlete than Scope. Okay, I, yeah. oh, but Ricky, man, that guy did not have a glove. Oh, my he was God. an absolute liability at second base. Like that was. So, scope is kind of a liability. Too. Well, okay. <laughs> Fair that's enough. true. Fair yeah, so was Jonathan VR before that, but uh, all right. Shortstop, hey, Un- yeah. Unieski Betancourt. 
Um, oh, oh, what a throwback. I mean, hey, he hit 252 with 13 homers, which is better than what RC is doing this year. <laughs> but also a 271 on base percentage with only 16 walks drawn the entire season. Oh, man. I, I, I couldn't stand Unieski Betancourt, honestly. And it, it, it was just, he, he would just always, I, I, I don't like RBIs as a stat. And he always seemed to kind of just kind of compile his way to a decent season. If you look at his RBIs, it looks like it's an okay season. Yeah, he's got 68. He's got 27 doubles. 30, yeah. Ricky Weeks had 49 RBIs. I mean, we're, we're not using. 20 homers. Yeah, but I mean. Oh, gosh. Yeah. All right, third base, he had Casey McGee. Uh, I give the advantage to this team's this year's Brewers because that year McGee uh -huh. hit two twenty three. With 13 homers, a, a 6.26 OPS, McGee had a very down year in 2011. Uh, so I give the advantage to a combination of Travis Shaw and Mike Mustakis. I, I I think you're safe with that advantage. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ryan Braun. Um, let's see. It's it's the same player, but that Ryan Braun <sighs> hit 332. 397, 597 with 33 homers and 111 RBIs and 33 stolen bases. Uh, completely different versions yep. of himself. He, 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 was, he was a force of nature that year. He really was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, it, between, him, but between him and 2018 Yelich, it's kind of a wash, isn't it? I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, they basically have the same home run RBI totals. Batting average is like 10 points lower, but that, that doesn't matter. I mean, kind of same no. OBP, slugging. I mean, that's, it's, it's kind of pretty even. And that was an MVP year for Braun, too. Yep. And then uh, Center field, Nigel Morgan versus Locane. Come on. Yeah. Ah, um, it pains me. It pains me. It shouldn't. I mean, Niger Morgan was pretty Niger clutch. And I oh will never gosh. forget... That smash up the middle, base hit to center, Gomez flying around third. That 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 whole call from Euchre, the the, the clutch hit in the NLDS. Um, he had a lot of moments that year, but Kane mm -hmm. is the far superior player. Yeah, I mean, I'll I will take that decision, agree with you in sadness, and go <laughs> play with my Niger Morgan bobblehead. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You, well, you still have that? I uh, I have it from his time in Washington. Oh, my God. I happened to go That's a on throwback. a day. It was Niger Morgan bobblehead night, and I was so excited. He was my favorite player from when he was in Pittsburgh, even. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I was I was so thrilled when the Brewers signed him. I like I saw the press release. I was like, Dad, this is going to this is great. I love him mostly for personality reasons, but I'm excited. That kills me. <laughs> I'm dead. Yeah. Dad, you're not going to believe this. They signed Nigel Morgan. <laughs> he, I'm pretty sure his response was, who? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, Morgan, he had a 778 OPS, which is, what, slightly above average? I mean, he didn't put I'm together. Like, it was that high. Yeah. I mean, hey. Sheesh. I mean, he came up big in, in clutch moments, but um, overall, yeah, yeah, definitely low cane with the advantage there. And then right field, you had Corey Hart, who had 285 with 26 homers um, and, and a 133 OPS plus. So 
I mean, are, are we comparing him to to Braun's numbers this year or or to Yelich? I mean, it doesn't matter. It's still lower numbers than than Yelich, but eh, I I don't know. What, what do you say there with Corey Hart? Corey Hart to I guess you'd, you'd probably have to compare him to Ryan Braun, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, let's let's do that. Gun to my head, I gotta say Braun. Twenty eighteen, twenty eighteen, Braun over twenty eleven, Hart. I'm sorry. Wow, are you going with the the leadership, the clubhouse aspect there? I don't believe in intangibles. No, I just I. I I believe I'm ninety percent sure twenty <laughs> twenty twenty. I'm ninety percent sure twenty eighteen. Braun has a higher on base percentage. That's where I always go. Uh, oh, Ryan Braun has a 308 on base percentage this season. Compared to 356. Wow, gun to my head, it's Corey Hart. Sorry, not close. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> uh, I, Isaac, yeah, I, I think we got to go with uh, Corey Hart there. Yeah, I'll yeah. agree with Corey Hart as long as uh, the opposition is not throwing a low and outside slider every pitch because Corey mm. Hart will never lay off of it. Sounds about right. Sounds about the same for Domingo Santana, actually. He loves yeah, yeah. that pitch away from him. He never hit it, but he loves yeah. it. All right. Do you, do you know where Niger Morgan is today? Um, Ooh. I think he's I in, like, uh, the Mexican League or he, – he's, he's either in, like, the Mexican League or he's retired. He wasn't, like, Japan or something for a couple years or Korea. He was in, he, he was in Korea for, like, a minute. Last, last, I, last no, he, he seriously. I think he played like ten games. I let him go. Um, he, in 2017, he was with the Esereros de, Moncle- de Monclova of the Mexican League. Ha! Got it. Love. However, <laughs> I, I I can't seem to find him in 2018. I don't know where he is. It could just be that he retired. I kind of I, I kind of want to I'm kind of hoping he's like you know selling real estate or insurance or something. <laughs> I want to see him. I'm I kind of want to check like hockey reference because before he was a baseball player, he played hockey too. Oh I wanna yeah, see, he could I be see there him now. Just randomly drop baseball. Yeah, I just want to see him randomly drop baseball and just pick up with some indie hockey team. Yeah, he's 37. Oh yeah, <laughs> Yarmir Yager is still going. I think at, at like 45, he's still going strong. So. Can you imagine Niger Morgan in a hockey fight? Yes, actually. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next, next question on the mailbag. Uh, Nate or- at Nate Orf Goat uh, wants, to, oh. wants to know. I wonder, I wonder who that was. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Um, says, favorite possible World Series matchup involving the Brewers. Ooh. Um, it's got to be Oakland, right? I think that would be so much fun to watch. Although Oakland is also extremely dangerous. I mean, they've won 96 games. It'd be an incredible story, and I'd love Oakland. But I also would kind of like to face the Indians because they got some weaknesses in that bullpen that the Brewers could exploit. But then again, that rotation, it's pretty strong. Isaac, so, what so do you no, think? No, no, no Red Sox, no Yankees? Oh, no, I would I rather was... not face them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I probably have to agree 
with some of the shortcomings of the Indians. I feel like, especially from a pitching perspective, I can see some similarities between the Brewers and Oakland, and I think they know what they're doing there. Honestly, I'm going to go out here, though. The Yankees have had some issues as of late. Like, they, you look at some of their bullpen arms, before they got a roll as Chapman back, I mean, they were, they were scuffling a little bit. They've turned it around now. I mean, I just watched them today, and they dropped a hammer on the Rays. I mean, that is a scary lineup because apparently Luke Voigt is playing at, like, an all-star level right now. It's unbelievable. Neil Walker, I think, is doing things for them, too. He started today for them. I mean, oh, my God. Then the you Brewers have to should still have signed Neil Walker. I mean, do, do, you, do you realize how many times people said that? And so it's like, why didn't the Brewers re-sign Neil Walker? It's like, well, for, like, the first, like, four months of the season, he was hitting, like, 195. So. Yeah. There was, like, a DFA potential over there for the Yankees. Like, it was so bad for a while there. I, he turned into a reasonable player almost exclusively because he can play all over the place. But, I mean. I don't know. There is not a team really there. All the teams in the AL can beat you. Like they're all pretty dangerous just in their own way. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Yankees would be an okay team to see just because they have had their bullpen issues. If we can get, you know, past like Luis Severino, in their rotation. I mean, Sabathia and Jay Happ are both lefties. We've got a lineup. We've got a lot of guys in the lineup who can hit lefties pretty well. I mean, I'm not super scared of their bullpen. I know they've got like Batansis, uh, Britton, and Chapman in the back end. It's not like we haven't seen Chapman before, though. Britton hasn't been Britton all of this year, though. I mean, he's coming off of a pretty big offseason injury. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think they're as invincible as the record would make them seem. And, and that's going to make it tough to get out of the, the AL playoffs. All right, last question in the mailbag here from Ellie Scrobus. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, she wants to know, likelihood of winning the division and what would we have to do to do so? Um, what we need to win the division is the Cubs to lose two more games. Um, and that's really, that's, that's just a mathematical fact The the Cubs have to lose two more games and the Brewers have to win out against the Tigers, uh, to finish the season with a one game lead in the division. Um, if the Cubs lose only one game, it's, and the Brewers went out, it's a tie. And then it's just all playing out. And if the Cubs don't lose, uh, to finish the season, then they win. They win the division. The team who wins the most games will win the division. Whoa. <laughs> Mind-blowing <laughs> deep stuff from Matthew Dewaskin. That is what you get on the Reviewing the Brew podcast. Yep. All right. It is, it is now time for the Hot Take Corner on the Reviewing the Brew podcast and – uh, this is where we give our hot takes uh, involve everything going on with the Brewers. Uh, Isaac, uh, you're up first this week. What is your hot take? 
All right. Well, now that the Brewers are officially in the postseason, I'm going to make a postseason prediction here. Ooh. Josh Hader will be the Madison Bumgarner of this postseason. Oh. We are going to use... We are going to use Josh Hader just all the time. And if we need any lead protected, Hader. We're, we need, we're, the bullpen's faltering. We need like randomly three and a half innings out of them to close out a game seven. Hader. You know what? We've, we've played it safe with them all season. Josh Hader, we're going to take the training wheels off this postseason. Just run them into the ground. And we're we're putting a banner up at Miller Park, baby. Hey, man, oh, el- el- elbows can heal, and banners fly forever. Hey, yes. there you go. <laughs> that is the attitude you need to have for the hot take <laughs> corner. All right, uh, Matthew, uh, what is your sure. hot take? <sighs> My hot take for this Brewers team. I'm going to say that Zach Davies is the pitcher that carries the Brewers through the postseason. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, I, I called into a radio show this afternoon, <laughs> and, and the, host, the, host, the host really didn't want to listen to me. But I, 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 have, I have the floor here, so I'm going to take advantage. So, you know, Zach Davies, you know, he, he could be that guy for the Brewers. You know, he could log those innings. He can get those outs. You know, I, I, in a seven-game series, he's the guy I want to see start three times. Oh my God! All right, uh, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, what, yeah, go ahead. What's go, going yeah, on? Yeah, you gotta tell them the real story. Uh, before before the pod, I, I was talking with Matthew um, about like you know what, what was going on in my day, and I had just got done um, hosting the sports lead on, on ESPN Lacrosse. And, humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. <laughs> uh, it's it's just a film thing, but anyways, so. Uh, there, there was one person who tweeted in because um, I was talking about how far can the Brewers go in the in the playoffs, and he's like, you know, they they need to depend on their ace Zach Davies. Uh, he can carry them through the playoffs. Davies just wins, and you know, as long as they can, you know, have him going, uh, they can make it like however far. And I'm just like, no, uh, not really, and I don't think he's going to start at all. In the playoffs, I don't. I don't think he makes a starting <laughs> rotation. Oh, he uh, makes the rotation. Not. You think in a three-man rotation for for an NLDS, he beats out four man. You gonna go with a four man? It's got to be a four man. Yeah, with this team, four man, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, eh, still, I, I don't know. I, I'm not having him as their guy who just wins. Because, as most of you know, I am not a big fan of the pitcher win stat. Um, it's extremely ludicrous, and it's never accurate. And, I mean, look, look at Jacob deGrom. He's 10-9, and nine, and he's got a 1.7 ERA. Like, it's pitcher wins is useless. And, yeah, he won 17 games last year. Like, that's with, like, eight runs of support in each game. And, like, he was terrible, like, at home and... Yeah, so Matthew decided to take it upon himself to pretend that he was the guy who. Uh, what do you what, wait, 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 what do you mean pretend? <laughs> yeah, um, considering <laughs> I didn't know your uh, your Twitter uh, name was Ty Zeke, but whoa, whatever. Oh, don't no, you can't say his Twitter. Can't give him his Twitter handle. 
he sounded like a jerk. We don't want to give him his hand, hand a little bit. That wasn't his handle. Oh, sorry, bro. It was just his name. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just get pieces of paper, but still. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's just the name that, that I'm given. That's all I got. But uh, yeah, that, that was so Matthew decided to try to be funny. But <laughs> I think Matthew succeeded. Ah, <laughs> uh, whatever. All right. Um, so that is the end of this week's edition of the Reviewing the Brew podcast. I'd like to thank Isaac Butkey, our contributor, and my co-editor Matthew Dwoskin for joining me today. And on behalf of them, I'm Dave Gasper. I'm sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Reviewing the Brew podcast. Thank <laughs> you.